Children's Church, if you want to go to that. As always, you're welcome to stay. Uh, but the, the running makes me think that they don't want to. So uh, we'll give them a moment to get out of here. Before we start this morning, let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. God, we are so thankful for the opportunity to uh, sing praises to you, God, to read scripture, to share in communion this morning. God, as we uh, look at our, turn our attention to this sermon this morning, uh, open our hearts to what it has to say, and God, lead us. And it's to your son that we pray. Amen. Well, I just want to officially welcome you to Chanel. We are so glad that you're with us. As always, if you're joining us online, welcome. Go ahead and send Rob a, a little message in the chat. That'd be great for him uh, to pay attention to that and run all the slides. So we're glad that you're here this morning. As you know, we are continuing our Thanksgiving sermon series, where we look at a few different elements that we are called to give. Through our thankful spirits, God encourages us to give our voices, our resources, our focus, and our time. And this morning, we are looking at our resources. Now, they're making their way up the hill, and I'm waiting till the door shuts, so I don't want to spoil anything for them. But in children's church today, they are going to be pooling their collection money together to buy some chickens. Now, some of the parents in here are like, what are we about to do with these chickens? Uh, they're like, I've had enough. If my kid comes from Children's Church with a live bird, I'm going to be disappointed. I feel like a bird is more cumbersome than a goldfish. But they're actually going to be pulling their money together to make a donation to Heifer International, a local company here, a nonprofit. But what they're going to be doing is pulling their money together and buying a, a flock of chickens or a group of chickens. Um, I grew up on a farm, as you can tell. Um, around birds and such, but um, they're going to be buying a, a flock of chickens and then donating that to a family in a third world country. And the reason why we wanted to do that this morning is because we're trying to line up the children's church lessons with our sermon series. Last week, they were encouraged to use their voices to write encouraging notes to different people. I myself received two of them. At first, I thought I got a parking ticket. They put them in my windshield, and I was like, how did this happen? Uh, <laughs> Little Rock Metro is everywhere. But at first, but when I got them, they were super sweet, and they were super encouraging, but they were using their voices to encourage somebody, to tell them that they appreciated them. And today what they're doing is they're pulling their resources together, what they have been blessed with, likely from maybe allowance or what their parents gave them, and they're putting that money together to do something good. We try to instill this within our children from an early age, right? How many of you in this room can remember when the trays were passed growing up, your parents maybe gave you a dollar, and when that tray passed by you, you slam dunk that dollar there with, you know, the force of the Lord oftentimes. I remember at times my parents would be like, just bring it down. It's, it's just a dollar. Bring it down. You don't have to slam dunk it. We've tried to instill this within our children as well, and specifically in the arena of tipping. So when we go to restaurants, we, we try to tell our kids, this is what we're doing. We are going to tip this server for their service, for bringing the food, for taking care of the table, for all the nice things that they've done. And Isla doesn't care. But Judah, who has a sweetheart, Judah does care, and he notices it. And so a few weeks ago, we were eating in a restaurant, and it was one that you, you walked up to the counter and you ordered. And you know now I, you, you write the tip on your receipt, which is what I was doing, but they also had a tip jar. And so as I'm trying to calculate the amount of money to tip, you know, I'm like, I should have you know, paid a little bit more attention in math class versus pulling the phone out to use the calculator. But I'm doing the math for the tip, and I can see Judah just like rummaging through his, 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 his pockets. 
and there's, there's trash in there, there's stuff that he's found from home, and finally he finds a penny. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing the ticket, but I'm also kind of watching my son, because, and, and, you know, Whitney was with Isla, and I was like, oh, I'm in charge of him technically right now. And so I'm, I'm doing the tip, and I can see him just rummaging through his shorts, and he eventually pulls out a penny, and he just throws it in the tip jar. And he turns to the lady at the counter and just goes, there you go. And I was mortified, right? I was like, no, what are you doing? I mean, it, was, it would have been different if he had just put the penny in, but it was the there you go with the finger gun that just, oh, got me. And, and so I'm like, I'm marking out what I had originally decided to tip because I'm embarrassed. But I'll tell you this, that the lady at the counter was so appreciative to Judah. She said, thank you so much for that. It means a lot. She wasn't being sarcastic. No, she was like, you better be tipping. But she wasn't sarcastic. It was, it was sincere, and she meant it. Because she understood that he was given out of what he had. He, he reached in his pockets. He probably would have given her whatever money he had in his pocket at that moment. But unfortunately for her, it was just a penny. But it still mattered to him. See, sometimes the quantity isn't as important as the intention. And that day I, I learned a lot from my son because he gave her a penny. And when we sat down at the table and I tried to explain to him, hey, like, I appreciate, I love the attitude there. I was like, next time let me know and, and I can, you can write the receipt or whatever. And he said, Dad, that was my best penny. And I remember thinking, like, he, it mattered to him to be able to give. So we, again, we, we try to instill this within our children from early ages. And we see these stories about why we give all throughout Scripture. One of the stories that I think as a kid that I never really understood the weight of it was one that we see in Mark chapter 12. And that's the first story that we'll look at this morning. But in Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 41, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. Now, before we move forward, I've got a slide here that shows you a little bit of what the temple layout is. Now, the, the text is small, but just look at the bottom of this temple. That is where this scene is unfolding. This is going to be in the, the court of the women. This is as far as women in this day and age could go into the temple. And so that's where this scene is unfolding. Spoiler alert, there's a woman in the story. That's why the story doesn't go beyond it. But the story is happening in this bottom part of the temple. And if you can see or squint your eyes, you've got the south gate and the north gate. Those are going to be on both sides. The east gate is going to be at the bottom. But where you see the south gate and the, east, and the north gate, there are going to be treasury sections there. And that's specifically where this scene is unfolding, just to kind of paint a picture of where they are in the temple. So go back to that verse 41 for me. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were and were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the treasury. So now you have a picture. We're at the temple. People are making their donations. They're giving their offerings to God, and Jesus is watching it. And Mark includes that many rich people threw in large amounts. Now, I've looked at this text all week as I prepare for this sermon. And knowing the way that stories that Jesus tell develop, we, we know where this is going. But there's a special attention to the rich. And we've talked about this before, specifically when we talked about the outsiders. How the poor were often viewed as outsiders in their community. 
In this day and age, the, the wealthiest people maybe made up five, maybe two percent of the overall population. But they were a dominant population. And so Jesus is, is casting the story to draw attention to what they're doing. Now, we don't get any animation to how these individuals are making these donations. We don't. I would have, if I was helping Mark write, I would have painted a picture, maybe drawn a little cartoon, but we don't get that. We don't see that at all. But just for a moment, humor me and think about how they are putting these deposits in the treasury. Just for a moment, Scrooge McDuck, maybe. Think of a comical character, big money bags, they're walking in. I like to think that even in this context, the rich, for maybe they're clearing their throat a little bit. Like, <clears throat> here it's my turn to make a donation. We don't really know what they were doing, but there was attention drawn to them specifically because of how much they were giving. Now, were they doing one coin at a time? We don't know. But the focus in the story is how they are giving, and people are drawn to it. We've got a, another picture of what's happening here. This is just a, an artist depiction of the scene where Jesus and a few of the disciples are sitting there, and they're watching the, the rich men get out of the way because the, the wind of the story is changing. As soon as you hear this line, many rich people threw in large amounts, you know that the, the tide is turning, and we see in verse 42, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. And we've got a picture of these copper coins here. These wouldn't have amounted to much. Most commentaries equate this to maybe giving a dollar, maybe 50 cents in our context. Not a lot. Likely would have been a day's wage. Maybe we, we don't look at it as, as a lot of money, but this poor widow would have definitely felt the cost of giving this. And notice what Jesus does next. Because Jesus sees this as a, a teaching moment, an opportunity to discuss why we give. That's not always about the quantity, but it's always about the intention. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor woman has put in more into the treasury than all the others. They, they would have known this, right? They would have understood simple math. They would have seen the way that the, the rich people put in coin after coin, made a spectacle of their contribution. But Jesus is, is telling the disciples, no, you're missing it. Because she, she gave way more than they did. Verse 44, they gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live, in, live on. This scripture weighs on us. Because look at how Jesus draws them in. We don't even get engagement with the poor widow. Do you notice that? Jesus doesn't say, hey, ma'am, come over here. Would you explain this to us? Would you have a dialogue with us so I can tell my disciples about the importance of giving out of your heart, not out of your wealth? We don't get that. I think a lot of the reasons why we, we don't get any interaction with a woman because that's not why she gave. She did not give to be noticed or recognized or honored. She gave because she loved God. And again, this is a reminder that when we talk about giving out of our resources, it's always about attitude. It's about why we give. 
thought a lot about this poor widow a lot this week. How proud she would have been to give what she could be able to give. The rich men that came before her likely gave because that's what they always did and they, they made a show out of it. But her heart was full when she gave. It meant more to her to give the amount that she had than it did for the rich men to give. One of the passages that we've been using as an anchor for this sermon series on giving has been 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And Tom read that, but I want to revisit it just for a little bit this morning. The point is, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We'll pause there to talk about the intentionality of giving. It's one of those things where it's, you're thinking about it. You're praying about it. You're focused on where this money, these resources are going. You're not giving just because you happen to have your pocketbook open. You're giving because you want to build more of the kingdom of God. And your resources are going to help people who need it. Paul continues with the next passage in verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that, all, that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And then Paul quotes from Psalm 119. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. This idea of every part of our being. We should be cheerful in our ability to give our resources. To share with those who need. And quoting from Psalm 119 just reckons that this is something that God is trying to instill within his creation all through scripture. It's not a New Testament principle. It's something that we see in the Old Testament as well. But Paul continues in verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. So we are called to be cheerful givers. Being a cheerful giver isn't always easy. We don't always want to do it. We don't always want to give out of what God has blessed us with. Sometimes we want to keep those things for ourselves. And I'm not just talking about giving at church. Guys, God places opportunities for each of us to share out of our abundance daily. But how often do we let those moments pass us by? And you know what I'm talking about. All of a sudden, you get that phone call at the intersection. It's the most important phone call in the world. And it always takes you to the other side of the road to where maybe you don't have to look at somebody standing there with a sign. Or maybe it's that, that feeling, that tugging on your heart that you should buy that person's meal in front of you because they're, they're going through their wallet. They're trying to find enough money to pay for it. And you're like, if this person could just move it along. God is putting those moments in front of us every day, not for us to ignore those, but for us to embrace those and recognize that this is an opportunity for us to give out of our resources, out of our abundance. But again, not always about the quantity that we give, but it's always about the attitude and the intention that we give with. One of the most striking stories that we see in regards to giving 
and resources. It's found in Mark chapter 10. Story of the rich young rulers. And this is one of the first stories that I really remember being disappointed in. Like as a kid, I remember reading this story and hearing it in, in Bible classes and being like, why did we tell this one? This one doesn't seem fun. There are no animals. Nobody's having fun. There aren't miracles. It's just Jesus teaching a principle and us all kind of being sad, right? I mean, that's what the story is of the rich young ruler. It's not a fun one, but it's one that we can certainly learn from. And it begins, as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do so that I may inherit eternal life? Listen to this real quick. Go back real quick. Because what this man is doing is not customary in this time. Running to Jesus would not have been socially acceptable. Men did not run places. They lived a lifestyle very similar to mine. Not a lot of exercise, not a lot of running. Very similar to me. But this man would not, like this is not socially acceptable for him to run to Jesus. When we see questions like this, good teacher, what shall I do so that I may inherit eternal life? Our knee-jerk reaction is to think this man is being a Pharisee. Someone that's trying to entrap Jesus. Make him stumble. Catch him in a bad, questionable theological situation. But it's the running that lets us know that this man needs to know this. It's the humility that he approaches Jesus with that lets us know that he's serious and that he needs to know the answer to this question. This isn't about tricking Jesus. This is about connecting with Jesus. And you see the desperation in this man. Have you ever felt that way? Like the the thing that is right in front of you is the thing that you need the most. That is what this man is experiencing here in Mark chapter 10. He's heard about Jesus. There's a chance that he's even seen a miracle that Jesus performed. We don't know, but whatever it is, it's enough that this man has to connect with Jesus. And so he asks this question, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? But look how Jesus responds. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your mother and father. Verse 20. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth. Do you feel it? Because this is where I talk about this story being disappointing. Because you can feel the rug about to be pulled out from under this man. Because up to this point, when Jesus lifts lifts off the commandments, you can almost feel it. This guy's like, yes, yes, yes. You can almost hear his voice going up. Yes, yes, okay, I'm doing it. I'm 10 for 10. I'm feeling good about this. He said, I've done all these things since I was a kid. But looking at him, Jesus showed love to him and said to him, One thing you lack. Go and sell all you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Feel the rug? It's getting shaky. We, we know these stories. Like we, We've read these stories time and time again throughout our lives. But just think for a moment if, if this is the first time that you've read this story. 
especially even in the context of Mark, you've seen several examples of when Jesus says, follow me, people do it. The first disciples, the second that Jesus says, follow me, they drop everything. They leave their business, their life, they leave their families, and they follow Jesus. When Jesus talks to Matthew, Levi, same thing. Levi is at work. Jesus says, follow me, and Levi is like, see you later work. I'm following Jesus. And so our instinct is to look at this passage in Mark chapter 10 and think, yes, this rich young ruler is going to follow Jesus. Because that's where we want to go. We don't want the rug to be pulled out from under us. But do you see how Jesus begins this? He says, Jesus showed love to him. This, when I read this line, I read it a hundred times this week. I kept going back to like my parents. Like when I got in trouble, and that's shocking, but when I got in trouble as a kid, like I, I could always remember how, how my parents did not want to punish me. They didn't want to ground me. They didn't want to deal with that stuff. But they were doing it because they, were, they, they loved me. And they knew that I needed that instruction, that discipline. And I keep coming back to verse 21, that Jesus showed love to him. Like this is that hard love. That love that maybe hurts and that feels pain. And the reason I think that Mark even includes this language is because Jesus knows that this man cannot follow him. Maybe I should rephrase it that he, it's not that he can't, that he won't. His heart's not in it. His heart is captivated in his wealth and doing things right. He wants to do the checklist thing. He wants to give the certain amount that he's always given because that's what makes him feel good. But Jesus is challenging him. Don't just give out of the, how you've always given. Give where God is leading you to give. Look for those moments to give your resources in ways that honor God, that builds up the kingdom of God. It's different. It's harder. It costs more. And so when Jesus says, it says Jesus showed love to him, that's what we're talking about. And we know how the story develops. Verse 22. But he was deeply dismayed by these words. And he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. We don't get a lot of follow-up stories in Scripture, and we don't get one here. I think it's safe to assume that this man did not later on sell his possessions and follow Jesus. He looked for a different way, for a different access point or whatever. He, he did not come back to Jesus. And so Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples, and I love this about Jesus, because Jesus looks for every moment to teach and to guide. He says, how hard will it be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God? But Jesus responded again and said to them, verse 24 and 25, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. There are no children around. Like, hear this. Like, he's, he's talking to the disciples. He's calling them children. Going back into that parental love, how sometimes love is difficult. We're still in kind of parent teaching mode here by Jesus. But again, he's talking about what are you giving out of? Are you holding on to everything that God has blessed you with? Or are you looking for opportunities and moments to give out of that abundance? 
And they were even more astonished in verse 26 and said to him, Then who can be saved? Like, listen to their, their concern. They're worried. They're like, Jesus followed all the rules. He had all the checklists marked. You can hear the desperation in the disciples, those closest to Jesus. Looking at them, he said, with people it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. See, it's the sacrifice that counts here. I spent a lot of time thinking about the the rich young ruler this week because we don't like stories like this especially ones that are disappointing because this one is. But friends, wealth is not the issue. The issue for Jesus is when you allow that wealth to be the reason you exist and your overall motivation in life. Rather than seeing the blessings that God has given you as an opportunity to give out of your abundance. Luke writes about this. Luke records the story of Jesus in verse uh, in chapter 12 verse 48. For everyone who has been given much, much, much will be demanded. For the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Friends, this church, if we're honest with ourselves, we are blessed. And because of that, I believe that God expects more of us. Now, we're not going to overwhelm ourselves, but when opportunities come up, we want to be a church that says yes. And we've done that with the School for the Deaf. Every year, we offer Christmas gifts to kids who need it. This is Christmas for these kids. And when we've asked you guys to step up and give to these kids, you've done it. When we've had opportunities to serve with the Arkansas Food Bank, we've done it. We've given out of our abundance to people who need it. And we want to continue to be a church that says yes to those moments. And when we do that, we are following the example that we see of the early church. Do you remember the attitude of the early church in Acts chapter 2? Right after Jesus leaves, the church gets together and they start deciding what does it look like to be Christians? What does it look like to follow Jesus? And the example that they land with is in 45 through 47. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The early church grows because the early church gives. They had an attitude of welcoming, they had an attitude of sharing out of the abundance that they had. They recognized that what God had blessed them with wasn't really theirs. That God was instructing them to use their blessings to further the kingdom of God. And as a church, we must continue to do that. And so this week, just like last week, you have homework. Last week, I asked you to think for those moments where you could share your voice. You could give your voice. This week, give to something unplanned. Keep giving to what you're already given to. But give to something that's unplanned. Maybe you, you forget about this sermon as soon as you go home. If that's the case, then whatever. Uh, you can come back and watch it if you need to. But look for those opportunities to share your resources. This may be opening your home to somebody, inviting them to dinner, or it may be buying someone's meal behind you at McDonald's. And I'll give you a pass. If it's a 15-passenger van behind you, you don't, next restaurant. You don't have to do the 15-passenger van people. 
But for real, look for those moments in your week where God is putting an opportunity in front of you to give out of what you have already been blessed with. It doesn't have to be a lot because the amount of money that we give isn't the important thing. It's that we have hearts and attitudes that give. So I'm asking you this week to say yes to those moments to give out of your abundance. And when you do, share those interactions with somebody at church. What did you do? How did you do it? And what can you do next? Let's stand and sing together.